Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Lovecraft Country Chronicles, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. Please welcome your hosts, Mia Johnson and Natalie Zamora. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Lovecraft Country Chronicles podcast. Ooh, we are rolling into the second episode already. Today, I've got my co-host with me. Say hello. Hey, everyone. This is Natalie Zamora. Hey, and I am Mia Johnson. And today we have a guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Sabrina Ree. I am a contributor to Fansided Entertainment. And I'm a lover of all things Lovecraft right now. Yeah, Sabrina has been doing some writing for us. She has done a fact versus fiction that was so informative. Even I learned a lot from it. So (laughs) please keep it up. Look out for Sabrina's work every week. She's going to be doing some awesome stuff. But I think we should just get right into it and start talking about the second episode because a lot happened. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so much happened. I felt like this... The first episode was really introductory. We were kind of just getting into the groove of things and meeting the characters and all that. Mm-hmm. But then this episode was like, bam, here's everything. Extremely uh, action-packed. It was so action-packed. Okay. <laughs> Let me do a rundown and then I'll okay. start throwing out some questions because there was a lot to go over. <laughs> so first of all, Atticus, George, and Letitia, they all went up to this mansion. They see the mansion and they're like happy Actually, they're only happy because Jordan and Letitia had their memories wiped, so they didn't remember the Shoggoths or anything like that. Atticus remembered he's figuring out that this has something to do with him. Why is he here? We learn about Samuel Braithwaite. We learn about Titus Braithwaite. We learn that Atticus is a descendant of Titus. Um, and that, let's see, his father is hanging out in a tower somewhere. That's where they kept him away. He escaped. They found him. They tried to escape with Montrose's father that didn't work and then they brought Atticus in for the ceremony because they are trying to open a portal to Eden (laughs) and it goes completely awry doesn't happen Uh, I think that is the too long didn't read version of it (laughs) and if there's anything I missed we will dive into the details in just a little bit so what did you all think about this episode I liked it a lot. Um, I like you said, so much happened, um, and I felt like it wasn't too. It wasn't too much. Sometimes in shows or even in movies, like so much action will happen, and so much information is just like spewed at you that you're like, okay, like should I have known something before watching this? Yeah. This was very. I think the pacing was good, and the fact that the first episode was so introductory and helped us a lot to get to know the characters. I was all in the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get used to it because I'm in the middle of the book right now. Uh-huh. And it takes some turns yeah. that I was not ready for. Like by yeah. the end, I was crying. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know what? We'll yeah. talk about the end as well because there is a huge difference uh, that they really deviate from yeah. the book. Um, so we're going to discuss a lot. And we're also going to come back with the Fear Factor Award. This time I've got 
five nominees, but only one can win. So if you want to tweet me your factor award before we jump to the end, please go ahead at Mia J Media. But I'm going to say that for the end. <laughs> so the first thing that I wanted to discuss was this really big idea that Atticus has a birthright, that he is a descendant of Titus Braithwaite. And Titus Braithwaite, to break down what happened, used the book of names, spell book, book of life, to make his body more powerful. And that's how we find out that, you know, he tried to open the portal to Eden. That didn't work. The whole house burned down. But his slave, Hannah, escaped. Hannah is um, one of the great, great something grandparents of Atticus Mm -hmm. and all of that. And I think this is an interesting aspect to think that, oh, I want to ask you all, do you think, and maybe this is brought up in the book, that Atticus does have like natural powers or abilities, knowing that he came from Titus? Well, we carry our family's history in our blood. I mean, we talk mm -hmm. about, like, we hear a lot about generational trauma. In this case, it would be generational magic. Yeah. Um, so uh, even though it's like, it's distilled down, it's been hundreds of years, but there's something in his DNA that still connects him to Titus. Yeah. So I feel like that is a good way of showcasing um, how magic connects you to something or someone. Mm -hmm. In this case, it connects him to a, a slave master and then trying to deal with that, knowing a history that he hadn't been aware of before. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy because, you know, he's learning that. I mean, it seems like he's learning that he has these abilities too. So he's probably like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be related to these people. Yeah. And now I have these powers and it's just like so much for him to handle. Yeah. yeah he just that. wanted to get his dad back. Yeah. Yeah. He's really. That's, that's all he really came here to do guys. But yeah, that reminds me of thinking about not just the, the magical aspect, but really in thinking about the, man, the, the deep, dark-rooted history of, you know, African-Americans who happen to have white ancestry by the way of the slave mm -hmm. masters. It's like, you really, that's nothing that you ask for. That's nothing that you carry with you. Um, and it almost is like this weird burden that he has to carry through inheriting these magical powers. Mm -hmm. yeah, get the process. Yeah, it is a lot. Yeah. yeah it, <laughs> do we... Where do I want to go with this? Because there's there's so many different ways we can go with this in analyzing that. You know, I don't I don't know if this will be discussed too much more about having that burden and the the past of mixing of the races and all that stuff. It is deep rooted in history, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but do we want to see Atticus come into his full powers? Would that mean anything, or would it just be fun to see him? You know, like a 1950s Harry Potter <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be fun to see that <laughs> it would be which would be torn because a black wizard on like tv yes yeah yeah but then it's like like how how much more are we gonna like stray away from um like the root of the story i mean it is a story about family but that's distant mm -hmm. family um it's yeah. history that his father was finding not necessarily for him but just in general um and we don't know yet how much Montress knew about um hannah mm-hmm yeah, it, it's a, it's like a bittersweet or maybe catch-22 sort of thing, like to have these abilities, yeah. but to know where they come from, what they mean, um, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. But as I'm saying this now, it's making me think about the whole purpose of Lovecraft Country and what we uh, discussed 
in previous episodes where we said we talked about H.P. Lovecraft, who was racist. He had a bad history, nasty history. And this is a spinning that on the head, taking back the power, reclaiming that power, which could literally be something that Atticus does. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I think I would like to maybe see that again. Yeah. I don't know if it would like throw the whole thing off. And being like Atticus is using magic powers and he's casting spells, but hey, maybe in the finale or something like that, we can have a yeah. Movie. If we have like a small moment, even if it's yeah. just like Christina tries to do something, yeah, and he's able to combat it, just like give us one like two minute scene. That's all we need, and then we'll be good. That would be so awesome. That'd be really awesome. And then I wanted to move on to talking about these sons of Adam who that is a whole nother <laughs> that is a whole nother thing to yeah to try to crack open so if i can also let's see summarize this so we have these group of men they're all white men you know they aren't gonna let in women it really looks like they don't want to let in minorities but by atticus's heritage he automatically gets to become like a really senior member a son of a son or something like that and basically, these people are going on the principle of the state part of the Bible where Adam is naming these animals and creatures, and he's putting them in their place. He's creating, like, the order, the natural order of society before Eve goes and messes everything up. Um, so that's kind of a really heavy thing to look at. Uh, was this just the implementation of this order, this lodge, you know, did you find it to be a shocking twist to know that this is where they were taking the story? This is what they were all about. This is what was going to happen to Atticus. Um, I mean, and when I was reading the book, definitely, um, I had no idea what was going, where, <laughs> where Atticus was going and what they were going to find. Um, so I feel like I was definitely had a buffer from the book, but even watching this show, I mean, it's just like, they're so dramatic, the Sons of Adam, and so, like, not paying, like, when, um, when George and Atticus start talking to them when they're at the, when they're at dinner, mm-hmm. and they just, like, stare, they're, like, Atticus is, like, everyone besides me, and, um, and I'm sorry, what's his name? And um, George, and, or and Sam, and Sam, yeah, yeah, and Sam, and everybody else needs to leave, and they all—it's like crickets. They just like look yeah. and look away, and I'm just like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, in my own notes that I took when I was reading—well, I'm still reading the book, but making my way through that part of the book, um, I'd put in all caps this scene, like um, because that <laughs> moment between him and Sam, where he's explaining why Atticus is here—it's like this huge and very tense. Uh, moment. Also, he sounds off his rocker. Like yeah. we're, we're talking about the Bible, um, yeah. and he's having a discussion about you're not supposed to take it literally. But he also wants to open a door to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I never drew that connection because Christina had made that offhanded comment where she was like, you know, biblical allegories or parables or blah blah blah. You know, like yeah. you shouldn't take it literally, but this is what we want. Then I never thought about that. But they still want to open a portal to Eden. So what are they really, <laughs> at the end yeah. of the day, trying to get at? What I also found interesting was while that was going on, there was this recording overlaying of Whitey on the Moon, which is the title of this episode. And I think that's uh-huh. worth 
breaking down as well. And I'll actually read a few of the lyrics here where it's from Jill Scott Heron says, a rat done bit my sister Nell with Whitey on the moon. Her face and arms began to swell and Whitey's on the moon. I can't pay no doctor bill, but Whitey's on the moon. 10 years from now, I'll be paying still while Whitey's on the moon. The man just upped my rent last night because Whitey's on the moon. No hot water, no toilets, no lights, but Whitey's on the moon. Uh, and it, it goes on a little bit longer. But I want to see from your perspective, adding this song really reads like a poem. It's very poetic. Mm-hmm. How did you think this enhanced the scene where we're talking about the whole ceremony? So Atticus is brought into the ceremony. He's prepared and all that. And they are basically using him. They're chanting him to open this portal because of his magic powers. Um, what did you all take away from that? Because I have my own thoughts about it. I definitely thought that it was ma- the it made it way more intense. Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, no, you're fine. You can go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, yeah, it was way, it was made it way more intense because they're like chanting in the background, but you can't really hear what you're, what they're saying. And like, does it even matter because they're Mm -hmm. just crazy anyway? Um, So I thought it was a really, really cool moment. Yeah. Um, I thought it, it made me think a lot because when we think about the Apollo missions and the achievement of making it to the moon, it's always talked about in a way that it's very reverent. It's a triumphant moment for American history, but yeah. we don't talk a lot about what's happening um, while that is going on in America. Mm-hmm. And so having that over um, the scene where Sam is using tech to get what he wants, it's like it's a, it's like a not so subtle way of talking about the things we'll do at the expense of others in order yeah. to make a great achievement. Yeah, there's yeah. a really big divide to me, especially within the context of America and black versus white like just reading this poem or the song and you're hearing him talking about you know he's down he he can't pay his hospital bills the hot water isn't on while the other side you know whites are able to advance they're doing all this and all that and it's kind of like two different worlds so to me what that felt like when we're thinking about the episode was that you know they're doing all this they're really using Atticus as a black man uh, to advance, to do all these things. Well, Atticus is literally, he's literally being used by them to open this portal. They don't care what's going to happen to them as long as they get what they want, sort of like the achievement of, you know, sending a white guy up to the moon. So I thought that was a pretty interesting thing to overlay, kind of like the, uh, what was that, Sabrina, the James Baldwin speech? Yes. That they overlay. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think we touched too much on that in the last episode, about how that integrated with that last episode. Yeah, sure. So um, it's from his 1965 debate with William F. Buckley, in which they were discussing whether the American dream is at the expense of the African-American. And so when you play it over that scene where we're going through um, the Midwest up towards um, the Northeast, it reminds you that Jim Crow America, it wasn't a Southern problem. It was a Northern yeah. problem too. So when we're talking about the American dream, who gets to achieve it, right? If you can only get so far in America, depending on what your color is, then is it really a dream worth accessing? Mm-hmm. Or is it a dream that is something you get at the expense of someone else? In this case, James was talking about uh, black people. Yeah. Gosh, that's so it's really powerful. And it's also powerful too, because I, I, tr- I looked that up last time and then I saw some other 
James Baldwin speeches as well on YouTube. And just thinking about all these people as well, talking about how relevant that speech could be for something like the 1950s, where this is taking place, or basically to today, where we still have this, you know, huge, huge gap between basically the advancement of Black people and white people and just the the deep-rooted history of that. Um, So I will say I did think it was really clever to bring in James Baldwin. I thought it was a clever use to bring in the the Whitey on the Moon speech as well or song. Um, Yeah, that was such a great example too because Atticus and his family are just trying to live. Like that's their whole thing, like survive. And here we have Sam and Christina and the sons of Adam doing magic and like rich Mm -hmm. people activities it's like no one would ever even dream about magic like we're just trying to survive here it was a good example of just like the juxtaposition of priorities i guess that's like the double-edged sword of this whole thing that we've been talking about forever like you have to deal with racism and now you're also dealing with monsters and magic (laughs) uh which is really heavy Uh, yeah so do we think i have a question then as far as the lodge members because Atticus basically killed them all. I don't know if there's more. Do we think there are any more loose ends to tie up with these people now that it was like the lodge burned down? There was this whole big thing. Atticus escaped in good health. It's like, where do we go from here? <laughs> you know? I think um, it, this is where we go more with Christina. Like, okay, well, the cult as we know it is gone. I mean, there may be mm-hmm. other members who just couldn't quite make the trip for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what is her role now? And how yeah. exactly is it going to affect the world of our heroes? Like, will she leave them alone? Will she not leave them alone? Like, I mean, I doubt she'll enact, enact event, revenge, but who knows? Yeah. So, okay, this then brings me to, because I really wanted to talk about Christina. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say she's my favorite character, but she was my favorite character to discuss and analyze as yeah. I thought more about who she was and what she was doing. So, there's this whole question about the sons of Adam and a woman's place in this organization, which, as I noted, there really is no place for a woman in the organization. Mm-hmm. In one scene, Atticus has like his membership ring and she says something like, you know, I've wanted all my life to get this. And here you are. You just waltz on in and get it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it really makes me wonder why in the first place do you all think she would want to join an organization that doesn't have a part for her? Like they're trying to restore order to when men were in power to when men could do whatever they want, basically. So why would she want to be in this in the first place? Yeah, it definitely seems like she has kind of no place in where she's at right now. I mean, obviously she's very privileged. She's a white Mm -hmm rich person um but beyond that it seems like she's kind of just trying to fit in wherever she can and that's why i feel like she's trying to be sometimes nice to atticus but then also when her dad's around she's not and there was like when they were talking about adam and eve um and she like calls eve a bitch she's like that bitch went and like ruined it all and i'm like all right Mm -hmm. like whose side are you on right now Like, but she's a really interesting character. I'm like really excited to see what happens with her, even if I don't particularly like her. Yeah, yeah. No, that scene where she um, she rips into Eve. I was like, I'm not sure yeah. if we're supposed to believe that you're actually critiquing this, mm-hmm. or if um, you actually believe she messed up a good yeah. thing. 
But yeah. I had a professor who said that what Eve did was introduce critical inquiry into mm -hmm. the world. So like that's when we started getting interrogative about the world around us. Like, so she's not, she doesn't necessarily bring in something bad, she brings in something different. And I don't know if Christina truly believes in this patriarchal idea that like women are just terrible and we all are descended from Eve and yeah. um, we really should be out of the way or if it's like a question of birthright to her. The only thing different about her than the rest of um, the cult is that she's a woman. Yeah, She's more powerful than the men who are sycophants to her father. Like she is really the instigator of all that's happening. She got Atticus to her father so he could do what he wanted to do. And yet yeah. she's not treated with any type of respect. Yeah. I wonder then, like, is that what she's searching for? Is just that ounce of respect and that recognition? Again, it's, it's really, this feels like another double-edged sword because you want to have that respect within this institution, within this, you know, your dad is part of it and all of this stuff, but what would she bring to the table? Does she also want to support the patriarchy? Does she, would she maybe, I mean, the best thing I could see her doing was maybe wanting to make it equal and saying, oh. but then it's still, it's, it's really maniacal because it's hard for you to like sympathize with a villain, you know, <laughs> somebody evil. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, Thanos was right sort of thing. Yeah, I can yeah. see why Thanos <laughs> wanted to snap away half of the world. That's the only thing I could see is her maybe wanting to have control of the world or the natural order of things via white people, but still making the playing field even words for women and for men. That's still pretty maniacal to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wanted to know, so then what side is she really playing on? Because yeah. she did have that moment where she was like, well, Atticus, I saved you from that escape on the diner. And she saved him from something else. And it's like, yeah, but then she goes and puts that spell on them where they were in their own rooms and the lodge members are watching, which was really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and even at the end where Letty and George are about to be shot and he's like pleading for her not to let it happen. And she just lets it happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is she just playing the trickster role here? Is she just somebody who likes you know, just likes to watch the world burn or is there a shred of empathy or decency in her? Yeah. She, she actually want to be friends, but we don't know what that means mm -hmm. in Christina's definition because William <laughs> is supposedly her friend <laughs> and William is doing her bidding. Yeah. Right? It seems like she's just trying to get on everyone's good side, whoever's like the most powerful person in that situation, but then mm -hmm. I'm just not sure what she wants out of it. Yeah. It, like what is I'm her like, end goal? Right. It's, I'm, I'm like wondering, should I classify her as a morally great character? Is she a little bit of this? Is she a little bit of that? We had a conversation on our Game of Thrones podcast, uh, mm -hmm. Take the Black, where we were talking about this new Game of Thrones show and saying, hey, it's not definitively this person is good and this person is evil. It's kind of like everybody just plays things to their advantage. So I'm wondering mm -hmm. if that is what we'll see more of Christina. Will she be more empathetic? Or will she really just do things for her own game? I hope she's out for herself. Yeah. Like if I'm gonna watch an evil lady, let's let's have her yeah. be out for herself. Bring it on. <laughs> I would yeah, I would I would love that. Again, it's one of those things where it's like I don't agree with what she's doing, uh -huh. but I do love me a good villain. I think yeah. that, <laughs> that is what should be known. Wow. Ooh. 
this is a fun conversation, by the way. And I hope everyone out there is enjoying listening, of course. While you're listening, I think it's worth giving us a nice, great review. And we're doing something fun, aren't we, Natalie, with our reviews? Yes. (laughs) So we are open to taking fan questions. And we can answer your question here on the podcast. If you leave us a review, we will check iTunes, leave us a review. And you can leave that question in your review and then that way we'll check them weekly we'll check them when we can and make sure we can answer them here on the podcast because i have so many questions and i'm sure everyone (laughs) out there also has yeah many questions (laughs) please leave us questions we'll call out your name everything we want to talk to you guys if not just reach out to us on twitter and we'll be there too but definitely we still got more to discuss i just wanted to take that little break (laughs) to make sure that y'all knew that (laughs) Christina, um, so we're done with that. And there's another point that actually when I was messaging Sabrina that she brought up and I was like, oh, yeah, that was totally a thing that was said. Atticus's dad, Mm -hmm. as we know, it is Montrose, George's brother. They have George, Atticus and Montrose have this estranged relationship where they didn't talk to each other for five years and Montrose mm-hmm. really wasn't happy to see Atticus. Yeah, Atticus I felt so him. bad for Atticus. <laughs> he was just ripping into him. I yeah. really felt for him. It's like, hey, dad, I'm here to save you. He's like, I saved myself. Leave me alone. He was so annoyed yeah. <laughs> that someone cared. Like, that yeah. was the thing. Like, he couldn't <laughs> accept love. So yeah. just, I did it on my own. I was fine. I could have made yeah. it back to Chicago. Which, <clears> hmm. <throat> I wonder if that will be more of the development aspect for Montrose to sort of, you know, explore how he loves, explore his relationship with other people. Maybe. <laughs> but the big bomb that George dropped, where he's kind of like semi on his deathbed, he, you know, was wounded, mm-hmm. and they're talking about Atticus, and he, George is like, to Montrose, he's like, well, we know we discussed something like he may not be yours. And they're like, Oops, should I have, you know, should yeah. you have mentioned that at this time? I want to ask Natalie first before we really dig into this, because Sabrina and I haven't gotten all the way through the book. Mm-hmm. Is this something Atticus's parentage that is brought up later in this book by any chance? Okay, so I don't think so. But now that like I keep thinking about it, I'm like, am I just like a terrible reader or something? No. Like, I really don't think so, but feel free, anyone listening, to call me out on Twitter if I'm wrong, because I'll take full responsibility, (laughs) Um, but I don't think so. But that was a crazy moment in the show, and it's funny because I was even, I was reading tweets from the first episode, and I Mm -hmm. saw people speculating that, and I was like, how did you even pick that up from the first episode? I need to rewatch it now, but yeah, that was crazy. Wow. I don't know if I thought about that in the first episode, but it does begin to show when he asked that question because clearly George and Atticus are so very close. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering, does George keep Atticus close to his heart because he thinks that Atticus is his son? What do we think? I'm not going to lie. I rolled my eyes when it happened. <laughs> like, because I was like, no, of course we're having a, like a um, deathbed confessional yeah. death moment for the audience. Like the two, Montrose and him both know what he's talking about. We are shocked and dismayed. My jaw was on like the floor. Yeah. I was like, really? Okay. I mean, this explains the moment with Dora, but yeah, 
um, I like. I didn't want to do a paternity story. I don't like. I feel like it's going to end up being a distraction. But since we're here, um, it does <laughs> complicate. Uh, like it makes it more complex. The moment in the first episode where Atticus is getting on George about how he left him to the wrath of his father, mm-hmm. like that he didn't feel like he could step in because you aren't supposed to say anything to Montrose because Montrose is Atticus's father. And I was like, well, no, as his uncle, you do have a right yeah. to get in the middle of that yeah. when you can see this child being hurt, especially that um, Montrose is hurting his child in the same way his father hurt him. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's cyclical abuse. Mm-hmm. And when you get to um this episode the second episode and you find out that oh wait george might be his dad well this complicates the entire situation then um and then with george dead he just gets to piece out of the conversation (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't have to deal with it yeah george has left the chat not my problem yes sadly i wonder then if they're going to use that as a device to maybe drive the relationship between Montrose and Atticus no matter what way it turns out whether well I guess Montrose doesn't really know and George doesn't really know for sure unless we call Murray Povich and we get him to read the results and then all that (laughs) is settled Uh, but it could be something that potentially comes up later in the series where they bring it up and that works as sort of a catalyst to help repair their relationship because right now it really still doesn't seem like they've done anything to work it out. They, to me, seem like they're still at odds. So, yeah. Wow. So (laughs) that's relationship one, number one (laughs) that we had to get through. Now relationship number two that um, Sabrina also wanted to mention, which I thought was a good one was Letitia. And there's a certain scene which, I'm drawing a blank on all the specifics that she says, but this is also in the dream world when they're experiencing those spells and Atticus, quote unquote Atticus, comes into her room. She's crying and she's fearful and she reveals to him a little bit about her mother and what was going on there. Sabrina, could you give us a little bit more info on what happened with uh, Letitia in that scene? Okay, sure. So um, with Letty and Dream Tick, we're having a, a deep a personal conversation about the relationship she had with her mother. Up to this point, um, we just know that it was may have been antagonistic. Like mm-hmm. whatever happened went down with her and her family. They're close because they have bonds of love, but not so close because they also have trauma. In Letty's case, she's describing when her mom used to disappear on her. Like yeah. one day, two days, okay. But then she was gone for several days. And so she's a little girl left in an apartment sitting in a window waiting to see if her mom was going to come home. And she can't, she doesn't really know how to take care of herself. She mm-hmm. also doesn't know um, whether or not her mom is ever going to come back. So she starts talking about um, the Bible verse she was saying, um, which is yeah. the same Bible verse she said when the Shogoths were attacking mm-hmm. and she needed to make her like extreme track run through <laughs> the woods. Right, yeah. And the the whole thing about the Bible verse is interesting because in the book, uh, Letty is really religious, or at least for that first, which is interesting. It's like that first moment before she encounters the monster and magic, and then she mm-hmm. has to wake up to the realization that things might be different from the way she perceives them at first or has perceived them. But yeah, the 
the whole idea of religion and her connecting with that was a big part of her personality in the book that really didn't show up until this moment or until these moments of fear. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder in the context of this show, like does religion serve her or is it kind of just brought up in these maybe small little moments as a, you know, sort of plot driver, sort of plot developer? Uh, What did you all make of that? Um. I feel like it might be like maybe like repressed, maybe not repressed memories, but it feels like since it only comes out when she's about to die or something crazy is about to happen um, is interesting. And then she even tells, doesn't she tell Atticus that she doesn't remember saying that um, the night previously when they were, when the Shagats were attacking? I think that might be, yeah, when they lost well, she lost her memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she was like, I don't know how I even remembered that. So I was like, ooh, I wonder if that'll come up again and if we'll get any context out of, as to why she doesn't remember and why it's so ingrained in her head, even mm-hmm. if she doesn't think it is. I'm a holdout for religious slutty. Yeah. I really am. <laughs> like, so I was like, yeah. because she's so... Um, she seems like she lives out loud, right? Mm-hmm. But part of it feels like an act to me. Like, mm-hmm. so she is the, she's the fun sister. And then she's mm-hmm. the serious sister. She's the politically active sister. But like, there's a whole interior world to her that I think Journey Smollett is playing so well. Yeah. So yeah. there's a part of me that's like, please let her still be religious. <laughs> like, but just mm-hmm. don't want to show it because. Yeah. She, she wants to be seen as the realist. And if she believes in something spiritual, she may think she might not be taken as seriously, even though she's working in a civil rights movement that's full of reverence. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting thing to, you know, to hold on to your faith, especially being tested in yeah. really trying times. And I don't know, this is also like, I always have these like little cloud of ideas that branch off. It's also making me think then about the religion or the religious religious aspect of you know blacks during Jim Crow era, blacks during slavery, and how just having faith or having that belief in God was really the maybe the one thing or one of the one things to help them to keep them going in the face of adversity. You know, going to church, reading the Bible, those sorts of things, which provided comfort to you. Which it's like at this rate, yeah, <laughs> after all this that you've gone through. And again, you're still living in the Jim Crow era. You could use a little bit of comfort. So I do wonder if they'll mm-hmm. use that as a device later on in the show to expand your character. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so we have discussed pretty much the entire episode. And that left us with the ending where the lodge is burnt down and George is dead and they're basically like what do we do next i believe basically all the members have died sam was turned to stone everyone else who was in that ceremony i think what i want to ask was did you all like the way this ended you can't compare to the book i think it's open it's fair game to compare this to the book and say did you like the way that this ended last week we ended on a cliffhanger and this Mm -hmm. week was sort of it felt like a wrapping up of the story yeah. To me, like there were no loose ends, but it's like, well, we've still got eight more episodes to go. What do we make of this? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really similar to the book in that when I was reading the book, I would finish a chapter and just be like, okay, what is next now? Like, it feels like that was its own story. And now 
what's next. So I'm excited to see um, how they go about starting the next chapter. Yeah. Um, and I think it really, really does play out like the book um, besides a few exceptions, but mm. I like the ending. I like the ending and it was very much like it almost wanted, it almost kept me wanting more than the cliffhanger because I knew the cliffhanger was leading to something crazy. And now this is kind of like, okay, what's next? Yeah. So I, so I liked it. <laughs> I needed a whole entire moment after the <laughs> episode ended. I was yeah. crying. It was a mess. I was like, how could you take George from me? There was so much <laughs> more know. to do with him. Um, but I mean, it works in terms of like distancing this TV adaptation from mm -hmm. the book. Like, yeah. So if you thought you were going to get um, a note by note adaptation with only a few twists, um, that's not this show. It's yeah. not this show at all. So now we have to go back to Chicago and we have to explain ourselves to Aunt Hippolyta and um, Cousin D. Like, mm -hmm. And how do you, ex you can't explain the story. We yeah. all remember what happened, but you can't tell her her husband died because of a cult leader who was trying mm -hmm. to open the door to the Garden of Eden so he could get immortality. And like, he's who shot George and there's nothing that she can do about it. So you, what do you say? We ran into some white supremacists and yeah. he got shot. Yeah. It's a lie. Kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah, put them in this this position I will say that I didn't think of and I will be honest with you so when I was watching this episode and I was screening it I think I stopped like there was a moment where um Atticus and Letitia are running up to one another and I was like all right that's the end of the show and I literally I cut it off there <laughs> so please forgive me and I moved on to the next episode mm -hmm. and while I don't want to reveal what happens in the next episode it's very evident that George has died and I'm like did I miss something here? What the heck is going on? <laughs> and so I had to go back and watch like the last, literally like the last 30 seconds. My attention span is so short. So forgive me. <laughs> but yeah, did it, it's like you do wrap up this one chapter, but there are some little threads maybe that, you know, left to the unseen eye that you didn't know about in mm. this particular episode uh, it reminds me of like i think i was watching the i don't know if any of y'all watch westworld i really love westworld and i was finishing up like the penultimate episode and i was talking to someone i was like i honestly don't know why there needs to be a season finale because it seems like they wrapped up all the plot points in the second to last yeah. episode i don't need to see it and i watched the finale for season one i'm like oh there was so <laughs> <more>. <laughs> yeah so yeah i feel like you don't always need a plot twist cliffhanger ending to an yeah. episode to a series mm -hmm. to ensure that there is something more to come there's definitely a lot more to come yeah and this episode was so intense and just so much happened that i feel like if they left it on a cliffhanger we'd just be like oh my gosh another thing like yeah. we know something else is going to happen we don't need the tease yeah. just yet because we're kind of just getting over everything that we just watched in the last hour yeah very true <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I go into my fear factor award, did any of you have any other scenes that you wanted to talk about? Um, I think we're going to get a meme out of the whole um, Anaconda situation happening yeah. between Letty <laughs> and Atticus in the dream sequence. Yes. I cannot wait till the internet gets a hold of that one. Yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> which I think that's a perfect transition because that's definitely in my top five fear factor award. So, 
coming down. And you know, this one I also think is the WTF award. It's yeah. like not super scary, but just like what Disturbing. the heck is going on with this? Yeah. So yeah. at number five, I put the butcher tower, which is where they find the woman with the dogs, and she's got the whistle that saved um, everyone basically from the Shoggoth attack. And they go into this tower, and it's just filled with pig and animal bodies yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was gross. It was that like was a, yeah, that was just gross. <laughs> unsanitary deli tower. Don't go in there. And Dell's whole speech about the black bears, which you know she's not talking about bears. That was nasty. The blacks. I was like, "Mm, Dell, I'm going to fight you over the TV, but. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, number four Samuel's liver surgery, whatever was going on there. That was super gross. Basically, he's on the table. He's got no antibiotics or, uh, you know, (laughs) knockout gas. And they're someone is opening him up with his bare hands to take out what I believe is his liver or some sort of organ. Yeah, that was gross. This is when it like gets so, I think I said this where the last episode that I wasn't expecting it to get so graphic out of nowhere. And this was another scene. There was just so much blood and I was a little shocked. (laughs) And then I didn't realize when he was making that speech, he was like, oh, and I have something. They're at dinner and he's like, I have a piece of me that I'd like to give to you. Which was literally, oh. I believe, his liver that they were serving mm-hmm. him. I'm like, that is absolutely gross. I yeah. am absolutely disgusted. Yeah. Number three on the fear factor <laughs> list is William. And literally just William. Just William. <laughs> so I creepy. Know, what's his deal? Yeah. Why are you staring at me like that? Why is your hair so blonde? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all unnatural and I don't like it something about the ice blonde hair just doesn't sit right yeah and, oh yeah i don't know he's creepy and then somebody said like aren't you the, or i think it was letitia was like aren't you the butler and he was like mm-hmm. no i'm just a friend i'm like why are you here yeah. you're weird exactly. <laughs> what are you doing here you make me unsettled. can he not leave too is he spelled like why why yeah. why are you so blonde when yeah <laughs> does like christina do it for you <laughs> <laughs> he just goes to the salon he's like all right i need a touch-up i need the i need the extra platinum yeah <laughs> no 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 shade to anyone with blonde hair blonde is a right. lovely color but for him it is a terrifying color yeah he's just creepy so he can't pull it off <laughs> <laughs> number two and my this is definitely a more wtf award is what sabrina was talking about the Ooh. literal trouser snake y'all that pops out <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to even say this. In the scene where uh, Letty was, you know, pouring her heart out to Atticus and then yeah. things heat up and it's like he wants to get into men and then he unbuckles his pants and a snake shoots out. I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I was not expecting that at all. I actually thought when that whole dream sequence kind of started, I thought it was Atticus's um, vision until oh. we saw, we got to him. Mm. Um, and then that started happening, and then the snake, and I was like, never mind, never mind. This is, this is all Letitia. That was, yeah, a little crazy. 
Yeah, I was surprised, but I was also like, I'm not gonna lie, a little happy only because I thought the scene with Tick and Letitia was moving too fast. Oh, and I was yeah. like, no, I want a slow burn, like a, a slow burn, like romance me, yeah. woo me. Yeah. I need to be led into this relationship. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh no, it's fine. We're just gonna scare you. And then yeah. they'll come back to it. <laughs> I and, you know, totally agree. HBO has that thing where, you know, they really like to play hot and heavy and get really sexy yeah. and stuff. So I was like, I think maybe I passed it off because I was like, I guess HBO is going to HBO, but they that's what I thought. Yeah, they played it off. And you <laughs> had that Adam and Eve imagery on her. Uh, she had like this stained glass window. Yeah. Really also gross and terrifying. Maybe that's like Very two and a half. Scary. It was a lot. It <laughs> was a lot. Yeah. It's like Eve and then also Adam also has a literal trouser snake. So. <laughs> Oh. yeah i'll have that image in my head for a while that was a yeah, lot this, this conversation is a little too rated r for me so <laughs> i think it's time to move on to my number one and maybe okay maybe this is just me mm-hmm. because my number one is once again when those shagas appear out of the woods there it, to me it seemed like there was something different about them this time or maybe not they were like really swole they were bulked up yeah they were mm-hmm. standing on two feet and i was like i don't like this at all yeah yeah and it was also crazy because isn't that when christina it seems like she's the owner of them like they're her dog or something she like whistles and they come no no thank you yeah i'm like okay so what is a what's the deal with these things is there really nothing more to it than the fact that they just use them as guard dogs because i didn't catch that the first time around she was like yeah they're like our guard dogs and they basically do the spell so nobody knows what that is what's going on and they just you know look the other way um but i i hate them (laughs) yeah yeah they're creepy i mean i think the difference this time was that instead of having like the shadows around them that kind of obscured Mm -hmm. how massive they were Mm -hmm. um now there's no shadows like they're in the clearing it's like you're about to get eaten it is what's about to happen until christina rolls in Mm -hmm. that was gross thanks i hate it (laughs) <laughs> okay and okay i'm gonna do another honorable mention part two um because i didn't know where to put this in our fear factor world but apparently christina is a shagath doula now do yeah. we remember that scene where she's like hey, yes like she's ready and she rushes out to this barn and there's a cow about to give birth and then it's this all oh, precious gorgeous slimy little baby shaga yeah i'm gonna say that was my number one wtf (laughs) moment because it was such a short scene but it just Uh kept sitting with me the rest of the day how she was so emotional over it and they're like have you done this before and then christina says no it's my first time and she's like crying and i was just sitting there thinking this is the most disgusting thing ever it's so weird and it's about birth and I can't wait for the think pieces about like femininity and giving birth or being the midwife and how Christina is the one bringing life into the world. Like I cannot wait until the overanalyzation happens because it's going to be great. But it was creepy. Like I wanted to know more about the cow. I hope she was yeah. okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Poor cow. It was just so weird to me how it was such an emotional moment. That's why I think maybe they have a bigger part than just being their dogs. I don't know. I mean, if I helped a dog give birth, I would not be crying. I would just be relieved (laughs) that it happened. Like (laughs) that we made it through and yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right, here's our homework. We are going to have to go to our local farm, help an animal give birth, and then we're going to report back on the process on a scale from one to ten. How emotional was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, you know what? That was, I think, absurd enough for me to say. So I'm going to wrap it up there unless you all have any last things to add about giving birth to beautiful <laughs> evil creatures or religion or the sons of Adam or ice cold blonde hair or anything. I'm just ready for episode three. Like I know. make me cry again, make me scream again, potentially make me angry again. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave that for sure. <laughs> episode three is going to be exciting. So I hope everyone will join us when episode three airs, I'm going to try to, at first I was like, should we put these out on Monday? And I was like, oh, I don't want people to have to wait or have to, you know, being like, oh, what are they going to say about this episode? So I will do my due diligence to make sure our episodes are released basically right when the episodes are over. So everyone can listen and have some fun. So look out for these late in the midnight hour on Sunday (laughs) or early, early, early Monday. Um, and maybe there will be more to come, not just after <laughs> our little talk back. So <laughs> thank you, Sabrina, again for yes, thank you. And it was a great conversation. Thank yeah. you for having me. I had fun. You guys are great. Yeah. <laughs> it warms my heart. <laughs> and if you would also like to warm our hearts, I'll say one more time that we are, you know, you can listen to us wherever you're listening to us now. Of course, Apple, Google, Spotify. And over on iTunes, you can leave us a review. If you leave us a good review, we'll answer your question. If we, if you don't leave a good review, we'll also answer your question. <laughs> of course we will. <laughs> we love the feedback, but positive feedback yeah. is always better. <laughs> and yeah, we will see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.